podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield Rap, Neil Atkinson, Paul Senior and Melissa Reddy with you for this Sunday show. We've come in specially on a bank holiday Sunday in order to get this over to you this week. And it's the start of being able to look back across the season. It was a week ago today uh, at the time of recording. Liverpool were preparing to beat Middlesbrough by three goals to nil in order to, com- uh, to confirm the place in the Champions League qualifier, at least for next season. Uh, hopefully they go on and make it into the Champions League proper. It was a long campaign, uh, 47 games in total uh, in all competitions. I've got Mel, who's a... Uh, whose campaign began before then with me, uh, who was over on the pre-season tours as well, and Paul Senior, and they're going to look back across the campaign. If you haven't listened to us do this before on the Anfield Wrap, what we'll be doing across both uh, this show and through uh, the player uh, stuff across the, across the course of the week is speaking to a lot of the, the contributors who tend to be at the centre of what we do and letting them look back and speak sort of uninterrupted about the season and their outlook on the season. So it isn't this idea of, yes, there'll then be sort of a discussion and a conversation around it. I've already re- pre-recorded the one that'll that's going out with from the review strand with, with Ben Johnson, Sean Rogers and Paul Cope. That's to come out during the week and it's fantastic already. That one's a little bit more conversational than this one tends to be, where people can just simply say what's on their mind about the season. Uh, and to start us off, how are you? You all right? About to go on holiday, aren't you? Yeah, very, very much excited to, <laughs> to refresh and take a break. Like you say, started yeah. well before the campaign kicked off over in the States. So I think that's probably the best place to, to start. Start there. Uh, Melissa Reddy's review of the season. Uh, I think from the camp in, in the US, it was very clear that Liverpool were going to be a lot more assertive and uh, authoritative in their approach uh, for 2016-17. All the work they did, the build-up play, uh, the quick counters, it, it just smacked off this dominance, which I think they managed to translate very well early on in the season when Jurgen Klopp had, you know, close to a fully foot squad to, to select from. I think there were on occasions where, even though they didn't get the result they wanted, they still showed that dominance. They were still, you still expected them to win or you wanted them to get the game over the line because they did show that, you know, in terms of having the ball, in terms of having the quality, it was there. Uh, but they just couldn't couldn't make it happen. The big thing for me when I look back on the season is I don't think you can talk about Liverpool's campaign without referencing the injuries. It was ridiculous. And, and again, referencing the camp in America, it had started then already. Joel Matip, uh, couldn't engage in the sessions because, you know, he had a persistent ankle problem. You had Loris Karius breaking the bone in his right hand, which, you know, set him back considerably because the goalkeeper I saw in America and the goalkeeper I then saw come into the team were, were two completely different uh, prospects. And he spoke about him and, himself and he, he said, Klopp had told him he, you know, it's the hardest thing possibly to regain that that confidence and that surety when when you've had to start from backtracking, basically. But, but that's what he needs to do more than anything. Um, and and then towards the end of the season or, or from mid-November, the injuries just started to stack up. And it's not just losing a key player, it's losing more than one simultaneously, which was a massive wrecking ball for Liverpool. There was Coutinho, there's Lalana, Lovren, Matip, Sadio Mane away at the, the African Nations Cup. Um, there was the, 
it seemed like every time Liverpool managed to to do something positive, the negative of a setback in terms of you know a player being unavailable was always around the corner, and that affected them heavily in January when the game stacked up, and all the the early season momentum and shine I think got eroded by that continuous feeling that it's us against this massive mountain, us against this massive mountain. Um, and I thought it was quite interesting, though, for the run-in when they lost Mane again through the knee injury that Klopp felt he needed to alter his approach given you know, that Jordan Henderson wasn't available either, Adam Lallana was also struggling at the time, that they were going to go for a safety-first approach. And they managed to do it effectively at very difficult away grounds where they've tended to struggle. And I think that that's actually quite a positive. I know it wasn't fun to watch. Um, it, it was the complete opposite to the start of the season. But moving in to the next campaign, Liverpool need to merge both those approaches need to show they can be the attacking juggernaut but in the same match know that okay we've done the business the attacking players have done the business now it's we need to protect and that bit of game management I think is a big lesson they would have learned the season progress undoubtedly so um, you know 76 points they've only done that they've only better that twice in the preceding 10 seasons uh, finishing in the top four, they only the second time in the last eight, and you know it's right. It's it's Liverpool, so you don't celebrate finishing in the top four, but you also cannot deny that it's very difficult to to reach the top four. As Liverpool has shown, they've struggled to do it, and it needs to be a, a base and a springboard, and it needs to happen continuously. So for all your your aims to be met. Uh, in terms of, you know, the transfer market, because players don't look at it and think, ah, oh, they're in the Champions League, they, or they've got the, the chance to be in the Champions League. They look at it and think, how often have they been there? And when they're in there, are they just there to, to make up the numbers? Are they there to compete? Um, so I think it's it's a, a very big step in the right direction for Liverpool. It's also that bit of... Um, like yeah we're we're doing the right thing our our blueprint what we believe in is is leading us somewhere it's leading us in the path we want to go other big things to happen during the season full Coutinho signing his new five-year deal without a release clause is massive and you know people point to Suarez signing a new deal and say well he left shortly afterwards the difference was Suarez signed it so he could have clarity over his release clause. Coutinho is now given Liverpool the power to slap any sort of ridiculous price on him. The fact that it's such a long deal, the fact that they can, you know, say to Barcelona or whoever else, 120 million or, or forget it. Um, I think that's a that's an important step. Also, the likes of Lalana committing, Dejan Lovren, I know that wasn't received very positively that news but I think what Klopp has shown and I think we can all admit um, even though I, I know there's certain players in the squad that aren't liked um, you know by swats of the fan base but there's a good core there to build on and to improve on I think the the big um, cull happened last 
last season where 13 players, I think, left in total um, beyond the ones that are out on loan. This he, he's <laughs> He's got a good building block and I think it's just about adding and supplementing and, and increasing the quality, elevating competition for places rather than, you know, ripping it all off and let's do something mental and mad and, and go in a different direction. I think Liverpool are, are quite set to push on. OK, um, I'll go first, Paul, in terms of uh, asking Mel a few questions. Mel, the, the, the first thing I would actually want to come with your last point yeah. on this, which I think is is really is, is a really valid one and one which I think we can expand upon a little bit. It, it is this this idea of there is now a core of players who, who, can, who can get 76 points and Liverpool controlling what happens with that core and feeling as though they have got control over that core. As I say, whether or not it includes your favourite player or your least favourite player, I think... It's something which, you know, you look at Tottenham this season who didn't have a very good transfer window last summer but have gone on and, and, and increased their points total significantly year on year. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I, th- I think we can understate how important that is at times. That, you know, there used to be summers where I'd watch United basically make six signings and only one of them I think would be good but they'd be well better the following season because they control also who they sell and, and yeah. they've, got, they've got the players already there. I think that that's something which we can really look forward to. The continuity aspect is, is vital because... The longer you work together, the more you understand each other, the better you are. So if you keep, you know, bringing eight, seven, six that that need to acclimatize and, and um, need to find out how they fit in or or what their purpose is in the team, it, it makes it more and more difficult. And before last summer, actually, uh, speaking to Klopp, he had said that he doesn't want that mass turnover all the time. It, it doesn't help. The development process. Um, I think imp- if improvement, obviously, we we'll all agree is fundamental. But also, to improve, I think it's good to have the base. I think Liverpool have the base, and now it's just elevating that base for the next se- uh, season and the one after that, and the one after that. The continuity thing's something that sort of stands out for me. I, I was drawing comparisons earlier on in the season to. To what happened in thirteen fourteen, where there was a sort of managerial merry-go-round, and everyone apart from Liverpool and, and Arsenal were uh, were pretty much <clears throat> starting with with new managers, and I, I I always felt that the sort of dress rehearsal Klopp had, had the season before was something that was going to stand us in in good stead, really. And I think, do you think coming into next season it'll be, and especially with the addition of European football, do you think it'll be so much more difficult next season, but almost to the point where we've gone. Well, okay, we've got the hard bit out the way, but we can actually remedy. We can find a cure through through being able to attract the better players and stuff like that. Is it? Is it now? I'm struggling to get to my points. Is it now? Um, what's the word? Sorry, it's yeah, honestly, the questions, isn't it, Paul? Yeah, yeah it is actually. Yeah, yeah the Al Hoston. <laughs> Sorry, thanks for what, what I'm saying is, is it now essential that you go and get the the right sort of players, and you've had the now now you've had the dress rehearsal, and you get you're more competitive as a squad, and you understand the manager. Is it is it important now that you you push on with the right players and don't make too many changes? That, that's sort of what I'm what I'm getting at. Yeah, to continue um, that continuity. I th- Klopp, what I like about Liverpool, Klopp, um, and the entire thinking of of recruitment is looking for the players that fit stylistically into what Liverpool as a team want to do on the pitch, how they want to operate, or how they want to, um, you know, 
work in unison off the pitch as well. So characters to complement the squad to but also fitting in the dressing room and all that. You saw last summer with with Genie Wijnaldum is one of the most popular players in the squad. Mm. So is Sadio Mane, you know, fan favorite already. Um and these guys have taken Liverpool to a different level with the attributes they brought in. Wijnaldum not not what we expected him uh you know to come no. into this team and and supply but importantly offer something that may not be what he wants to do personally for his own preference but what is beneficial to the team um Joe Martips fitted in quite easily as well his only issue is you know the, the fitness that he hasn't been available consistently so with the big signings even with if you look at um Groetch you can see there every time he's mm. played you see the glimpses of what yeah, he's got a, that, yeah. injury hit campaign Carius again that setback in pre-season then the the quick um desperation to write him off he was one of the best goalkeepers in the Bundesliga so you suspect he'll come right but Liverpool showed last summer that they can make quite intuitive signings based on on what they need and I think it will be exactly the same even when you look at the names being mentioned and and you know who the club are targeting Naby Keita for that midfield the the, the switch from Mohamed Daoud who you know there was a massive fuss when when he went to Borussia Dortmund over choosing Liverpool but when the season kicked off and when Wijnaldum provided something completely different, how Jordan Henderson adapted to the number six role, um, Adam Lallana shifting into midfield and doing so well there, Liverpool thought, he's not, this midfield doesn't need that anymore. What this midfield needs is somebody dynamic, explosive, um, somebody who can not just control the tempo of a game, but force a game, take a, you know, make a game happen by himself if you if you move him further forward. Um, and, you know, he's exactly that type of player. You look at, they want a, a pedigreed centre-back. Um, and while that partnership with Lovren and, and Matip has showed very, very good signs, um, the team performs much better in t- defensively when they both operate together. Like we said, we can't rely on that, or Klopp hasn't been able to rely on that um, to some this season. So I think they will make clever signings again um not maybe the signings that everybody wants them to make they won't be at the the manchester city or the man united level and if you continuously compare liverpool to to those kind of clubs i don't think you're ever going to be happy but i think for what liverpool need and what they want to achieve uh they'll they'll do the right business you mentioned in whilst you were talking there in general we i want to come back on to having a chat about the injuries because your players are going to get injured, and I think that I think Liverpool can probably have one foot in the unfortunate camp this season. But yeah. for instance, I think every season he's been here, using Coutinho as an example, he's had he's picked up a knock at some stage. He's just going to it's the, the the nature of the being the sort of explosive player he is with the twists and the turns, yeah. and the fact that he's also going to get kicked yeah. is yeah. you know suggests he's going to get injured. Come on to that in a second. You mentioned tempo, and it's something which I think you know I think I wonder if we're going to spend a lot of our time having conversations about Liverpool and tempo under this manager and never quite be satisfied with where they end up because because of his relationship to it tactically which you know I've, I've, I've watched Liverpool without Henderson 
and not never felt as though they've set the tempo really yeah. of a game yeah. without Henderson, but that that the manager would almost rather them manage within whatever the tempo of the game is than feel as though that they impose one upon it. Do yeah. you think that's fair, or do you think that the and do you think that that's something you might look to change what, with European football on the horizon, or do you think that's just sort of what we're going to be dealing with, and, and we're going to have to almost change the way in which we talk about and use a phrase like game intelligence? Yeah, I think to go back to that earlier point about game management, and that is, you know, fundamental when you, especially when you don't have your key players or or your preferred lineup to play the way you want to. Like you said, without Henderson, it's quite telling. Because you don't have somebody at the back who can dictate the game with the effectiveness uh, as he's done. Um, Liverpool, I think, will look... Speaking to James Milner in the mix zone of the last game of the season, he said one of the things they've they've got to do every, uh, next season is approach every game on its own merit. So yes, we, we've got our style, we want to yep. be dominant and all that stuff, but we've shown different elements this season we've dealt with different things now you combine all that you you learn lessons from it and you know how to to manage do you think they were doing that more in the last six games anyway yeah i and i i think that was happening okay partially obviously main element the injuries but with an eye to next season we're gonna have to to be better at how we conquer these these varying challenges that we face. Because Liverpool are great when they do go and assert themselves and pose themselves early and say, we're Liverpool, we're going to be in your face, we're going to be quick, we're going to be difficult for you to deal with, good luck, all the best. In games where they can't do that because they're missing key personnel, they can't try and force it because it just doesn't come. We've seen it doesn't come. Um, and I think that's where this, you know, end of the season, this, the lessons and stuff, uh, come into play and come in handy. Yeah, the the thing for me was you you, you referenced in the first thing you said about being Liverpool trying to become a juggernaut. When do you think you first realised that we could be that? Because I, I I feel the season's very much. Split into almost two years. Sixteen, I felt Liverpool were a juggernaut, yeah. and seventeen we weren't. Do you think it was Arsenal? Or do you think it was more later on when we were playing Leicester, Watford, them sides where you went actually the side is the real deal? I think the Arsenal game. That's in the second half. In those twenty minutes, there was, I think there was a, a shock, but also a, a fear of, if if they can do that, to Arsenal at the Emirates imagine mm. and then you thought nah it's probably just you know uh, first game of the season it's just one of those mad things can happen on the first day of the season and then they just that front three aided by Lalana Henderson supplying just carried on mm. and carried on and carried on and the thing for me is when the opposition managers started coming up and saying don't want to face them mm. Antonio Conte was one, said, no, don't, just don't want it. Pochettino was another. And in those, like against those teams, the, the one you, you mark yourselves, for Liverpool to put that much worry in them, I think was, was a very, very big sort of statement. And the, it's so unfortunate because I think if Liverpool had even two or three injuries less throughout the campaign, 
it would have been, you know, we'd be looking at it now with even more enthusiasm and, and like, pride. Because I think they could have gone on and, and achieved a lot more. You know, people always say you should have a squad to, to cope with injuries. And, and that's true. But can anyone tell me if, if Chelsea have squad depth? You don't know because Chelsea haven't had to test their squad depth at all this season. Um, even Leicester, but the last two title winners have basically chosen the same squad in the league nearly every week. And they've had the luxury of doing that. Um, so uh, that's my biggest annoyance <clears throat> that, that it was so stuttered because of those setbacks. Okay. Should be yours, Paul, and then yeah. we'll do mine. Yeah. Uh, Paul Senior. So, yeah, for, for me, it's, um, as I've just referenced in the question I asked Mel, it, it's a season that was sort of split into two halves. So, and it, it's just the years that indicated. So, I thought in 2016, up until the very end of it, this was a Liverpool side that I was boasting could literally beat anybody. Um, and we've seen it early on, I suppose, when. I remember having a lovely pint round town with, with some of the contributors and we went to watch the, the Liverpool-Barcelona match and I don't think, ever think you get a, a real measure of where you're at in pre-season but it was nice to see that Liverpool were were able to go and do what they did obviously 4-0, Barcelona, Wembley, full house and it wasn't the Barcelona side that was just playing kids either you know, we've seen Suarez that day we've seen Lionel Messi that day so... <laughs> There was a bit of a measuring stick there. I just thought oh, so Liverpool just a bit a bit ahead in terms of fitness to where Barcelona were. I, I was trying my very best not to get so carried away. And then, you know, what Mel says about there the being shock about what we did to Arsenal. Uh, there was, and I still didn't quite believe. Because I wasn't, to be honest, I wasn't overly enthused with the with the summer business. I thought, thought Mane was a good player, but did I know... He'd, he'd attain the level he got to. No, absolutely not. Um, and then there was just, you know, putting James Milner to left-back. You want to say, what are we playing at? Are we that skint that we need to play a midfielder at left-back? Uh, you know, wh- where is the ambition in the side? And then dropping Lalana into midfield. And it just seemed like, all right, they're probably our, less, our best 11 players on paper, but this system's not going to work well. It shows why Jürgen Klopp's on <laughs> seven million pounds a year, and I'm not. You know, so there was, there's, yeah. I, so we got to that point there, and I was got the the bit where I really thought, um, wow, we're really good. It's after Burton, it's after after the Tottenham draw. It was sort of around Leicester and Watford at home. Um, I think Watford, Watford were like sixth or seventh in the league, not conceding many goals, putting up really good performances, and we absolutely smashed them. I don't think I'd ever come out of the ground as enthused as I was after that. I think it, the obvious reference for a good Liverpool side for my generation, and I'm sorry to harp on about the 13-14, it was a Liverpool side that were very good, but had glaring weaknesses as well. Um, we were so good we could outscore everybody, but this this Liverpool side this year... At times, I just thought could could have it with everyone and anyone. You know, it, I, I was saying pre the derby, I was, I was so confident we were going to beat Everton. So so confident. There was like going, and I, I was arguing with an Evertonian friend of mine, just going, "You don't, you and this country does not realise that on its day just how good this Liverpool side is." And 
we we kept doing really well. There's the obvious reference from Klopp where he goes, Chelsea, you've just won eleven games on the bounce and we're we're still there two points behind you. How how annoying must that be? You know, I think I think that was around the time where things started to fall off, sadly, but we we were that good and I think we just we blew out a little bit. The frustration comes obviously at the turn of the year where you go Sunderland um Sunderland's away I think it's Mane's last game before the African Cup of Nations and it all seemed to fall apart. And we have such a horrendous couple... Well, it's January and February, really, isn't it? I think the only win we picked up was Plymouth and that was... Was that two legs as well? Yeah. yeah. So, the, the, yeah. The, the least convincing win ever. <laughs> yeah, against Plymouth. So it was the wheels that feel like they came off. But I think even with all the injuries that what Mel referenced and it, it is defining of this of this season... That the sides above us didn't really have to deal with all that bad an injury crisis, um, and that's where they've get, we we gained a competitive edge, but we were just so unlucky um, in terms of the injuries. And I think Mel's absolutely right at where this Liverpool side could have gone without them and the disruption of the African Cup of Nations and the the Joel matter. <laughs> you know, he, he misses a game for no reason, doesn't he? And this. There's just bits and bobs where everything seems to go against you. But I think we found in that sort of adversity towards the end of the season how to do it the hard way. And I'm so proud of wins like the West Ham away one, where even though West Ham had about six, seven first-team lads, I think everyone was going, it's just the type of fixture Liverpool don't want. Stoke away, West Brom away. Just just finding that... Um, I suppose it's what some people would call the sign of champions in 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 some seasons, you know, where you go to them grounds and you just find find the way to win. And it, it, I was talking about the dress rehearsal last season for Klopp coming into this one. If we can add the sort of quality that we've spoken about in the the, um, the transfer committee shows that are coming up on tour player and stuff, that the, the list that I was looking at, it's so much more enjoyable to read than it was last season where some of it felt bargain basement and that'll do where this season it feels like Liverpool are actually going to go and add four or five lads to what is already a good well, it's a first 11 that there's not many at swap um, so it stands as well for the future but yeah as I'm saying I just think we've done we've learned how to do difficult things with this manager we, we know now we've had 18 months of him drilling what the system is and how we win in certain situations and bits of game management and all the sort of buzzwords around football that you see now. It's I just think we've we're starting to see that we've mastered that and how we push on. I hope we don't make loads and loads of changes, but I think what I'd just like to see this summer is that we go and add quality and just pure quality. No no like for like, you know, the sort of Rafa going Cromcamp for Hossamy. I don't I don't want to see them sort of transfers this summer. I just want to see us go Right, there's four or five real top quality lads. Go and have a go for the title. Okay, going back to your your, your initial point with the season in two parts. It, is there a you know you know you mentioned the Everton game there? It was on the back of the Middlesbrough game, which yeah, I think we were both at, yeah. and, and they were brilliant. Yes. Uh, second half, second they, were, half yeah. they were absolutely brilliant. Is there a is there a point here where there's it's different types of resilience. Is that almost your, your, your takeaway? Because you, I'm going to come on to using the word pride as well, but the different types of resilience across the course of the season, that there's the resilience of we're going to find a way to play our football in the first half of the season, and then the second half of the season sees the resilience of we're just going to get this one over the line. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think Middlesbrough's a really good example. That, that 
you know, the the problem with the sort of Isaac Aranka's problem at Middlesbrough was that they were so well drilled defensively, but they uh, they couldn't score goals, and they they were the sort of sides that I think we we historically were struggling against, but we we found a way. And in in that game, it was purely through just blowing them away with quality. I felt I thought Lalana was tremendous that day. Um, the the does he score the first? Lalana Klein puts a ball across, wonderful goal. And then I, I remember coming off the ground and walking back to the pub we were going to, and just going that second half performance was just unreal. And yes, there was a pride. Uh, there is a pride there. That day it was more. Prides about the the quality and style and the brand of football we're playing. We all want to be entertained, and I think every, I think I came away from that going, "This is an entertaining Liverpool side." But when I talk about West Ham, I don't think we were as fluid in parts that that day. I just felt like we just found a gear to win, and then we just it was game over once we found the second goal. And that that's the positive thing I can take, and that there's there's more than one way where I felt the thirteen fourteen side, the Brendan Rodgers side, maybe just went. It's plan A or plan A, but plan A worked nine out of ten times. But this Liverpool side's coming up against a better bottom half. I feel. Do you also share the the viewpoint that you know when you look at where things petered out, you would say okay, Coutinho picks up that uh, the injury ankle ligament damage at towards the end of November 26th, I think. Um, the results in December weren't as... Or, or you could tell there was a little mm. sort of sort of downward curve. Um, and then Mane goes away. You don't have Coutinho, you don't have Mane. Uh, Lalana's also out for a little bit during that spell. There's a lot of people who want to Liverpool to do January business, right? You look at the teams that finished in and around Liverpool, no one, none of them did January business. Do you think it's more a question of the club shooting themselves then by... It's no question that they were looking at, at players, right? They pushed for, for Pulisic, they pushed for Brand. Neither club wanted to sell. Draxler as well. Yeah, Do do you think they... Go and just get anyone, get somebody quick or somebody entertaining. Or do you feel that that would just add to to a problem Liverpool have struggled with, where you know they they tend to hoard these sort of average players, players that you're thinking he's like fifth, sixth choice, he's not really good enough. Are you happy that they? sidestep that sort of desperation or do you think it would have made a difference or you're sort of asking me that question now now we've got champions league football in january when the wheels seem to be falling off it's a different thing you know what i think you can only really answer that when you're working with the day-to-day i think he's got such a belief in in this in the squad and i think what you said before about Wijnaldum being one of the most popular guys in the squad i don't think when i was putting my shopping list together this time last year that i'd have thought he could have had that sort of impact on this squad, and again, that's that's why I referenced that Jurgen Klopp's on seven million pounds a year, and I'm not and because there's there's qualities that you'll see in and around the dressing room, in and around the the the, the players' restaurants or canteen or whatever they want to call it at Melwood, where you know, where you know what sort of lad will fit, and I, I think there's more of that in football than we maybe give um, credit to, and that the 
that the personalities of these footballers have really got to fit. I mean, there's obvious ones that don't fit the Balotelli type, El, El Hadji Juf, uh, where they just upset the dressing room. I, I think there's got to be a real bit of research done that you can't shoot from the hip in this Liverpool squad because it has got a way and it's a way that's quite unique well, in, to me I think it's unique that in the way it plays and in its makeup there's got to be a lot of I think you've got to tick a lot of boxes and find a lot of attributes you know that make you part of the squad and part of the group and in the way they play rather than just going well he's a really good player so he'll just naturally fit so I, I think that will have all been done coming into the summer and that there'll be more than just yes you're you're great and you got 19 assists and 10 goals last summer so you'll do for a winger I think it's how do you fit into the the feel and the makeup of this side okay next one I wanted to ask you was again talking about you mentioned there and then they finally get into the Champions League I've noticed there's a lot of a lot of people are quite if I say downhearted it's the wrong word I think people were more relieved than anything with the with the, with the final achievements of beating Middlesbrough and confirming the top four place do you think it's been a difficult season for people, for supporters, from the point of view of where where these wins and these good performances have fallen? Do you think that you know again it, it, by the end of the season, you know we're all watching, for instance, Watford away one nil, Emery Chan scores a great goal, but if if you know it, it's a grind, if you're honest about it, whereas Watford at home six one, you're bouncing off the ground. Is that something which you know I think that people have sort of struggled to to get their heads around this idea that it's just going to go wrong eventually, that it's just going to this is all all, all going to clatter, and that sort of managed to negate a bit of people's enjoyment of the last six weeks of the season. Yeah, there's there's an obvious. I think there's an obvious nervous nervousness, I should say, around it, because people want it so much. Um, the the my my thing for this season is I, f- I feel like we were like a, a a top hurdler that didn't have any hurdles to run for the first three or four months, and then we hit everyone, you know, and we've literally been battered and bruised as we got to the finish, and it's almost like a couple of people have overtaken us, but we've just limped over the line. So. You know the hurdle attitude with the uh, with the African Cup of Nations and Joel Matip being banned and Mane going and with that that with Coutinho's injury and stuff like that, and then we were just picking up knocks and I think we we ignore even the fact the only games we had to go well oh, Lovren's missing but no one knew about it oh Firmino's Firmino's not playing in this but that that happens but it just seemed to be like Jordan Henderson's hurt his ankle out of the blue there. Oh, actually, misses the rest of the season, and it's just another lad, another lad, another lad. And actually, you look at the sides that we've put out, and you go in in the actual full eighteen that I would pick uh, with every single one fit. But Lucas is playing every week in midfield. I think he's like sixth choice, seventh choice there. He, he, his season, he's now a centre half. Everyone's ready. Yeah, Lucas is a centre half. Oh, I'm gone again. He's he's rolling back the years here to play number six because we've got no one. And I think people were right to be nervous, and it just feel like everything was going against us until the very end, where the the clear run we had at it, the Arsenal started to falter again, and United faltered, and it was sort of back in our hands. I'm 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 very disappointed this Liverpool side didn't finish third. I feel I feel that we were the third best side in the country this season. Um. I had to talk fourth all day, but if you know, if you feel if if you ask me where I really felt we were, I thought we we edged Man City this season. They they pulled it back together at the end, so that's a disappointment coming out of the season. That being said, 
we've now got an eight week break to get everyone fit again and hopefully everyone properly remedies. You know, I think you probably could have played Mane maybe in the last two games of the season. I don't I don't know. You maybe could have took a risk on Jordan Henderson. But there was no You do wonder if they could just have got Henderson on the pitch and they've chosen not to. Yes, that that's exactly what I feel. And I think it's gonna set us in um in better nick for next season. And it also means he doesn't get picked for England. Yes, which is wonderful, yeah. Um you know, and I've seen Sturridge isn't in the squad, so if, if Sturridge is around next season, I don't expect he will be, but he, he's now got a break. I see on his Instagram this morning, he's in LA, he's now on his holiday. So Liverpool are now all on their holidays, all on their break, and hopefully they're all fighting fifth for the start. Paul, you know, we talk about like finishing in the top four, you say you felt Liverpool were the third best team. I remember when um, putting out the, the information about Coutinho's injury, uh, at the end of November, and all the responses, or most of the responses, were from opposition fans, um, Arsenal fans, United fans, saying, that's top four done for Liverpool. The wheels are going to come off exactly the same. It was even, to to a greater extent, uh, announcing the, the Mane injury that he needed to have surgery and stuff. Um, you know, you mentioned Jordan Henderson as well, told it's... Um, a foot issue, not that serious, won't be out that long, misses uh, the rest of the season. In that context, do you feel that they're all looking at it and thinking to themselves in, in terms of the staff, the players? And We ended up getting over the line. Okay, it was a, you know, a struggle to get there in the end. They crawled towards it rather than sprinted like they, they were in the, the start of the season. We managed to achieve this despite all of that. So we we have a summer, we get everyone fit, we have another rigorous pre-season, do some good business. Imagine. You think that's sort of the the message leading into the summer? I'd like to think so. Um, you know, as I said, it's one of them seasons where you think everyone's against you and everything was sort of against us. Coming into next season with everyone fit, there should be an air of positivity. There's two. There's two games that are obviously oh, it's one one tie is an obvious hurdle, and that could set the tone for the season. Is obviously the Champions League qualifier. I'd like to, I'd like to see us to put put that to bed in some sort of style. You know, yeah. as I'd like them to be statement performances. You know, looking at next season, we I don't care who we get. I just want Liverpool to go there and look like we can cope with the demands of European football while starting the Premier League season well I think I think it's imperative that we that we have a good start like you know even I think we had a good start last season but there's the obvious floor of Burnley and it seemed to be even when we were beating all these sides by fours fives and sixes that oh but what about Burnley you've got that in your locker haven't you I'd like to think that we haven't now and that that, that has been remedied so there should be positivity we should have a bank, a banking squad from from the rumours around coming into next season, and I, I am very excited about. You know, I think this is we've got a manager who is truly the real deal. You know, this is someone who could have been managing any club in the world, and he's our manager. We've got, as you said, Coutinho tied down. We've got Roberto Firmino another year in English football. Sadio Mane, who I just think is level. I think he's got the highest ceiling of anyone in the club, regardless of how good Coutinho is. Um, and we've got some hopefully exciting new lads to come in and compliment that. Okay, uh, I'll do mine now. Um, 
My thing on this the, across the course of the season is, firstly, I'm, I'm optimistic that this is a season that might end up being seen as, as a turning point season uh, for the club as a whole. And I think that, that there's a lad on Twitter, an Everton lad on Twitter I follow called Darren. I think he's NSNO81 sound. and he's sound. And But he started the joke of Big Stand FC with the relation to Liverpool. But the thing about Big Stand FC was that they won big games and that they had big personalities and they were walking a bit of a walk right the way through the season. Certainly in the first half of the season, as Paul said before, where they they could beat anyone and they had the attitude, not just that they could beat anyone, but that they expected to be able to beat yeah, anyone. They yeah. expected that, or more accurately, because Jurgen Klopp, you know, he's very much about the process, but you get the impression Jurgen Klopp said to his players, you'll have 20 minutes in every half, in every game, where you can take a game away from the opposition. Whether or not you do so is going to be down to the quality you're finishing and then what's happening at the other end of the pitch. But you will have 20 minutes where you'll be on top and you'll be the better side of every half of football you play. And I think you saw that up until the halfway point of the season. And I think you also continue to see that even when things weren't going so well in the second half of the season. For instance, you see Liverpool completely dominate Tottenham in a manner which no one else has done throughout the yeah, entirety yeah. of this campaign. And do so, uh, and do so to win two 0 when two could really have been four or five, and it's only because both sides did the metaphorical fifty-five minute handshake that yeah. it didn't turn into more. Although that obviously could have put the game back back alive for Tottenham, and you even see that in that. And you, when you were talking before about at what point in the season did you think these are good for me? Arsenal away, I was prepared to just sort of write off as a first game of the season, bit of a freak result on lads doing well. But it's actually the Spurs away game when you see Spurs and Danny Rose comes out out afterwards and says it's the hardest game of football I've had in two years. Yeah, yeah. And that was the one which for me, I thought, you know, you, I just thought these could really be good. And then Chelsea away happens. Uh, and then around that sort of time, Hull happens. And you begin to think to yourself, there's, there's a seriousness about this side, but also there's an exuberance. And all of that's sort of part of what makes me think this could be a real turning point. They got the summer business last summer right, which means they don't have to get this summer's business perfect. I think they got last summer's business, certainly in an outfield sense, approximately perfect. Yeah. Uh, and that was the gamble, um, the gamble that the manager took. And in hindsight, and I do wonder, listen, you know, again, the Liverpool managers, he's both an exuberant man and a serious man and a realistic man. And I think he picks his four three three, and he thinks, you know what, we could be good. But I, I, I wonder if, you know, if you could get him sitting down and get him talking honestly, he's actually surprised how good they were. That he's actually going, I can't believe that they were that good uh, at times during the season. I expected them to be good enough and expected them to be able to get a 76-point season and I expected them to be able to come top four. But what he actually saw before Christmas was a side that, in the way it was set up and it could approach, that could win the league. Uh, and I wonder if, you know, if in hindsight... He had, he did take a little bit of a gamble, and the Mane thing we all knew he was going to the Cup of Nations. It wasn't a surprise, but I wondered if the sheer quality of Mane and how important he became, and the way the setup worked, and how that system worked for those players so well, became a little bit of a surprise. Because in hindsight, I do think you know we probably go into the season and attack and play a light. Yeah. And where I'm quite, I'm happy to say that injuries are a thing. But as I said before, Coutinho will get you one injury throughout the season. He might have a second, and he struggles to come back from them, and he needs a lot of nursing. Um, and then you look at the other players who, who, who make up his attacking options. He really got a bad injury in a contact thing last season. Uh, and then you're looking at Ings, who was coming back from the injury that he had. Ojo suffered an injury. And I'm just, this is all in the context of what are you going to do when Sadio Mane goes? And then the answer becomes, well, hopefully Daniel Sturridge. But you can't rely on Daniel Sturridge in this context yeah, either. Yeah. So I, I think that that hurts us. But I actually think the thing that really does hurt us, and I want to phrase this the right way because a lot of people don't like the way in which I talk about this, and I'm, I'm not meaning to be flip, but I do think there's a problem with the Football League Cup in that if you don't win it, 
but you get you go deep. It doesn't half derail a lot of what you're trying to achieve, yeah. especially yeah. in January. And therefore, if you win it, it's a trophy, and trophies count, and trophies are important. So Man United have won two trophies this season, and fair play to them. They've got two trophies in the bank, and brilliant. And they've played a lot of games, and they've had the de- they've had the depth of squad, they've had the resiliency, but they've still only got themselves to sixty nine points throughout the course of the season because that's what happens when you have that many games. Is it's difficult to do the other stuff, and the league cup now two years on the bounce, I think, has really hurt and hit inhibited Liverpool because you've got to play your best side in that semi final. Because yeah. if, I'm, if, I, yeah. if I'm one yeah. of your players and you're saying, "Well, I'm not going to play you." I'm going, well, what do you mean you're not going to play me? It's a chance to get to Wembley. It's a chance to win a trophy. I want to play. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think I think it's a really difficult competition, the way in which it's timed and all that sort of stuff. And I think it's impacted negatively upon us twice. We're only winning a penalty shootout against Manchester City for it not to do so, because then you would have to the trophy and then you go, well, that's just the cost of it. And this season, we're only, you know, if we got the result against Southampton, we'd have got a, a final with United. And at least that would have felt like, you know, it's a big deal. And I think it's something the manager's going to have to think about next season with the way in which he approaches it. And I wonder if the European content text in this will make it a little bit different but I, I don't think he's quite in his own mind answered the question yet of what you do about the League Cup that's another one, uh, another thing to sort of point out um, and in amongst all of that there was the gamble around the Manny thing and being an attacking player light and what that meant was if you actually go through those games in, uh, if you go through those games in, in, in that January period Yes, there's there's so much disruption. And again, we can say, well, he's resting people and he's chopping and changing. Well, he's still got to take training. He's still got to set sides up for these games. You don't get to sort of put all these yeah, lads over yeah, to one side yeah. and go, you're doing something completely different now. You can say, well, maybe you should, but that's just not how football clubs work. It, it, it's an insult to everyone if you, if you try to sort of act that way. So you look at that run from January of Sunderland, the 2-2, then the Plymouth horrible draw, then the 1-0 defeat away at Southampton, where Liverpool were terrible at times in that game. It's probably one of the poorest performances of the season. Then they get a really good point at Old Trafford where they probably deserve all three and it's a goal that's slightly offside but then they have to go to Plymouth which is a long way to go and then and this is the point where for me the season dies a bit of a death from the idea of what's happening ahead they on on literally my birthday so that's why I've took it so personally they uh, turn up at noon against Swansea and we're utterly abject and it finishes 3-2 to Swansea and I think when you now look back at that and you look at the quality and the resilience that this side shows as the end of the season and you look at the performances that are still to come, where they get a really good 1-1 against Chelsea, where they could have got a bit more out of the game, they get a good result against Spurs, a good result against Arsenal, they go to the Etihad and play the game of the season, they beat Everton, all this is still to come. But I just think that by the time you get to that 29th game of the season against Swansea, where they've played just in that month at that stage six games... And they've had no respite, no recovery. Everyone's just going. Even the manager himself at this point must be shattered. Yeah. And everyone's just hanging in. And I think that's, that's the death knell for, in many senses for the idea that you can do more with the season. And then the game after that, they get beaten home by Southampton. So all that's been for nothing. And then they go out the FA Cup. And you're like, Christ, that is absolutely exhausting. And I, I, don't, know, I, don't, know, I don't know what the answer to this is, but I think it's worth pointing out that I think it's, it's something that has been difficult. And especially for the manager and the sort of football club he's trying to the way he wants his club to be, the way he talks about the supporters, is it's very much, can we all enjoy ourselves as much as possible whilst taking our work very seriously? What we do is serious, but he wants these, he wants his togetherness, he wants his unit, and when the wheels are falling off and everyone's feeling fatigued and it's the deep winter months, I think it's something he's going to have to think about going into next season, and it might be that his way home is what you saw away at Watford and what you saw away at West Brom, where you think, right, there's, there's going to be four games in January, four league games in January, and we just dig in. We just dig in for our lives, boys. We stop thinking we're playing good football and we absolutely brutalise our way to 10 points. And I wonder if that's going to be something that we take from the season. 
it's worth pointing out with one eye on next season and in amongst all that is the the draft fixture schedule sees a game on Saturday the 20th, the 16th of December and then six more games through until Monday the 1st of January and that's where that's a sixth of the season and that's where a lot of next season is going to be won and lost so having that strength in depth being able to rest and rotate having those Champions League players is going to be massive because Liverpool have got everything else and I think that's one of the things you can take from the season they, they know now how to win difficult games away from home if everyone's fit and flying whoever everyone is in terms of new players coming in and by fit and flying, I don't mean 100% fit, but 90% fit. They've looked like they can put poorer sides to the sword. Yeah. They've done the business in the bigger games. They're probably not going to have as good a record next season on the law of averages. But what I think is important about that is we've now had two seasons, one with a run in the Europa League under Jurgen Klopp, and last season where games against the better sides have held absolutely no fear for this Liverpool yeah. team. And that, when Mel was talking before, it was one of the things I was thinking about. Players want to know how well you'll do in a competition, like the Champions League before they think about signing. Well, I'd be showing them tapes of Dortmund at home and showing them tapes of Manchester City away and saying, this is how good we are, this is, how, this is the football we play and how good we are and what we can do. And I think that that's been really, really important as well. And I think in amongst all of this then, the other things that you've seen through the season, the manager's tactical flexibility, dropping players deeper, thinking it through, uh, deciding in this, it, it, his, his similarities and differences to Guardiola I think are fascinating. I think Guardiola is fascinating going into next season, but his similarities and differences to Guardiola are fascinating. And like you've seen when Manchester City have played the best stuff this season, they've been they've been taking attacking midfielders and turning them into midfielders. Everyone sort of drops 10, 15 yards. They've also been playing midfielders at full-back in the same way that we have with James Milner. I think all of that's something that you're going to see more of, not less. Um, and sort of to, to wrap up all of this... Uh, in my mind, I, the players and the supporters should be absolutely bouncing into next season. That they, the, All the hard work that the players put in, uh, all the graft, all the days, like, for instance, Swansea at home, that we had to do that weren't great. Well, we got what we needed to get in the end. And we should be proud of them. They should be proud of themselves. And they should also be looking at next season because I think that core, and they know who they are, should be thinking to themselves... I might not actually get on the pitch quite as much next season, but when I do, there's every chance I'm getting on the pitch in massive games of football that have silverware attached to them one way or another. And I think that that's something which, you know, everyone should be thinking, yep, this is, it's time now for, for the club as a whole to accelerate, to find solutions to the remaining problems, and then to, to, to harness what's gone very, very well and say, yep, we're going to really enjoy this. Anything? Yeah, um, I, 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 I've got your you point on the League Cup being a an almost unwelcomed distraction. How important do you think it is next season, though? Looking at what United have done this season and what um, Arsenal have done three out of the last four seasons, not not necessarily had great seasons, but put something in the cabinet. And I, I, you know, I, I know you talk about the importance of winning this league because we all want it so much, and it is the number one priority coming into next season, regardless of what the Champions League brings. I just think with that, say if we get into the group stages, that minimum extra eight games that we're going to face, do we still need to put in Jurgen Klopp's third season something in the cabinet? Yeah, I think, and I think this is why it's, it's such a difficult square to circle, to be honest. But I think, I think he tried. What it sounds like a criticism, it's not really. It's it's that it's a circumstance that will happen. So I think you look at this season, for instance, he makes. I think he makes ten changes when we play Spurs in the League Cup, and Spurs make ten changes, and we just happen to win. 
But I actually think that if we if Spurs had won that day, I think Spurs would have six fewer points and we'd have six more. And I think that what I'm sort of trying to put over with it is is I'm not I would not expect and would be upset if Liverpool if Liverpool Football Club are throwing games of football that people are paying money to go into. That's not what I'm 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 not saying that at all. But I think that if you if I think if you end up going deep into that competition, it is going to really have a knock-on effect in your January. And that's all I'm trying to say, really. I say I don't I've got a solution to it. And if you do and if you do get into the semi-final of it, I agree with you in that I think that the club could do with winning a trophy again at some point soon. I think the manager could do with putting something in the cabinet. You're right to say that. Um but we therefore need to ensure we've got the players and the personnel and the fitness and everyone working together to understand that firstly that it's a bit of a it isn't clear what my best eleven is going into that League Cup game anyway. So I can be selecting my players for the league game and then putting the other ones into that League Cup semi-final game if the league is a live prospect at that stage, which it will be next season, whether it's to win it or to come in the top four. And I just think but I think it's important just to sort of say it's so difficult. To, to go deep in that and and go through that process, certainly if legs are falling off players all over the place. You know, Daniel Sturridge played 90 minutes against Southampton in the League Cup and then didn't play again until, you know, the, towards the very end of the season, didn't feature again until, I think, even Stoke away. And that's, uh, sorry, and, and from, from a starting position, didn't feature again until West Ham. So I think all of this is, yeah, I think you have got to sort of have an eye on it, but... I think you'll be able to mark if it keeps happening. Almost, I think for the, could be a few seasons on the bounce where we're going, and then we had real problems in January. See what I mean? Mm-hmm. In your um, estimation as well, do you feel that one of the things you, you know you said Liverpool were were light and attacker in January, though, apart from you know being without Mane, Coutinho, Lallana, for instance. You saw the likes of Emery Shan and uh, Daniel Sturridge and Divockery really struggle for form. And, you know, the lads he was counting on to come in and, yeah. and, and make a difference sort of were struggling because, as he said, they didn't have the rhythm because they weren't playing every week. Now, next season is only going to see enhanced competition. You know, there's more games, which, which makes it good because players will, will get to play a lot more regularly uh, than they would have if the new additions came in and, and there wasn't any European football, as was the case this season. Um, so do you think that Liverpool, therefore, will be better equipped to handle these situations? Or do you think it's, again, a case of, because there's no continued rhythm for, for the you know 11 that are not playing all the league games or the mm. preferred starting XI in these cup competitions that there is still going to be that issue of the rhythm and the, the I, form. I think the manager's going to have to, and it's the right way to phrase this, he's going to have to maybe enjoy himself a little bit less. Yeah. So I think you can, you can, you know, look at the, when you mentioned him, I'm going through the early part of the season, you know, it's forgotten that storage starts um, that storage starts against both Leicester and Chelsea. Yeah. And then he, he has him back out for, for Derby and then he's on the bench for the whole 5-1. And there's a little thing in my mind, which is Gerard Houllier probably plays him against Hull. Mm. Finds a way to get him on the pitch for an hour. And off the basis of, yes, this front three might absolutely devastate Hull, and they do. So if you're the Liverpool manager, you go, no, my job's to beat Hull 5-1. But there is a little thing here where it might be that the better thing to do, and Sturridge is a bad example because of the injuries, but that next season, for instance, if he buys his Mane, is Mane back up? Who yeah. should? Who the aim of which should be that he's as good as Mane, not that he's a yeah, backup, yeah, yeah, uh, or better. Then 
you know, then there might be a call for early in the season. A couple of times as we're going to Anfield and we're seeing team selections and we're scratching our heads. We're thinking, well, Manny just scored two in the last game. What? And now he's, he's back on the bench and they're playing the other lads. Well, I'd, I'd just stick with Manny. And I wonder whether or not, you know, because there wasn't the, 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 the personnel to do it, but also because there wasn't the call to do it, if next season when there is because of the European editions and because those games have to be, you know, you, you play a strong, stronger side as you can in those games. I, I hope that he's, we're seeing a few more, all the running jokes around Benitez in terms of you can never guess what Rafa's team selection is going to be. But then no one, because it's Rafa, it becomes a thing, whereas no one mentions that, you know, I think towards the end of his, the end of his managerial career, Alex Ferguson played the same side back-to-back about twice in four or five seasons. And one of the things that I think those managers are doing in those runs is you think it's just a ro- you're rotating to rest the legs of the player who you're taking out, but it might be that you're actually rotating to get the lads who you'll bring it in some more time on yeah, the pitch because yeah. you're going to need them at some point. Yeah. And then get and then sort of so keeping up keeping a player sort of warm, the idea of periodization a little bit, keeping a player sort of warm through autumn because you're going to need them loads in winter. And then suddenly he's playing every week in winter, and another one suddenly there's another two players who are both a little bit in and out then in January, and then you're thinking, oh, does he not fancy him all of a sudden? Did he have a bit of a? But actually, it's just we're just trying to keep keep everyone at 80%, 85% until we need them to be at 100 And I don't think we did that very well, and I understand why, because it's easy to say, again, you know, that he should be doing that and thinking like that, but I just wonder whether or not he's thinking, I'm just getting points on the board. Do you think, yeah. do you yeah. think the manager's experience from Dortmund with um, competing on all fronts, I suppose, you know, being a, being a manager who's going deep into the Champions League, win, winning German Cups and competing f- for the German title... Do you think that's gonna be something that he can carry? You know, he'd be the the most experienced of that at the club. You know, I, I don't think him, any of the any of the Milner. players. Yeah, him and Milner are probably the only ones at the club who've had to do them sort of seasons. Do you think that that could set us in good stead, or is that just a minimum requirement? I think it's a bit of a minimum requirement, but I think it's what it's worth remembering as well that German leagues 30, 34, not thirty eight, yeah. and there is that winter break. And I think the other thing that doesn't help, and I'd love to have known what he'd have done. If rather than have Manchester United away on the fifteenth of January, if we'd have had Hull at home on the fifteenth of January, and then so therefore not had a meaningful game of football that you couldn't do with a rest side between sort of the the, the first week of January and and then and then Chelsea on the thirty first, and whether or not you might have seen, for instance, Firmino and Coutinho end up having either two weeks where it's public that they're having them, two weeks rest recoup taking it easy, maybe even going on holiday a la Brendan Rodgers and Raheem Sterling, or whether or not they're both sort of out with, with, with mystery injuries for two weeks where oh, we, we expect them to be back for the next game. Oh, neither of them are in the 18. But you couldn't do that given, again, the League Cup uh, being in there and also Manchester United away. That, that became not an option for him. When actually his League Cup side was doing a pretty good job, for instance, beating Leeds, yes, it was, it was scruffy and it went to the end of the game, but beating Spurs and beating Leeds. So, yeah, I think... I, but I think his yeah his experience is going to stand us in good stead, and that's another. But another way in which his experience stands us in good stead is he's able to you know when we're saying come to Liverpool, don't go to Spurs as an example. Well, why Pochettino looks like a great manager. They came second last season, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, that lad's been in two European Cup finals. Yeah, come on, man. This, this lad's been and again, he's also been in the Europa League final last season. And did you see what it was like at Anfield? Did you you know? Did you see what what this is that Liverpool get this and they're good at this and. It's interesting how immediately after the last game of the season, he started to talk massively. You got the impression he was doing publicly the sell of Liverpool. That we're this is a minimum requirement. This is who we are. This is the nature of the club. We are a European giant. Let's start acting like a European giant. We are a European giant. 
and that was like as soon as the final whistle went he couldn't get in front of a microphone fast enough mm. in order to say we're the European giants and as though he's trying to put that message out across Europe and and the thing is what really helps him is that he's right in that I you know you don't see you just don't see and, and maybe they'll prove me wrong but use Tottenham as an example I don't see the Tottenham roller coaster ride towards a Champions League semi final next season. I don't see how they do it. No. I don't think they've got it in the back pocket. Whereas it's ingrained in the DNA of this club. Manchester United have just finished fifth, and I think they're much more likely, because of the nature of the club, not even a conversation about managers, because of the nature of the club, I think they're much more likely to win the Champions League than, than Tottenham are. Almost. And Tottenham are well better than them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a fear factor that comes with, just, the, with the badge. Like a DNA that everyone yeah. sort of goes, no, we get this, mm. we know this. And I, it's, you know, clubs are clubs are cultural institutions and when you can grab onto what your cultural institution is for its positives and as I say the Liverpool manager could not get out after the final whistle fast enough to say this is what this club is yeah and I, I, I think Tottenham have got a, a really tough season ahead with the sort of Wembley move and the, the transition there and I think it's probably come at the worst possible time for them so that, that's something to consider Atko do you feel as well you know you talk about the attraction and um, Spurs, obviously, two seasons running, genuinely good, uh, have finished above Liverpool quite a few seasons in succession. Um, but you, you tend to feel that uh, Pochettino probably, you know, looks like if a bigger job comes up, if if the Barca job, if he gets offered that, if he gets offered a, a Bayern Munich, is going to go. Whereas Klopp's been given that six-year deal. Yeah beyond what Liverpool have achieved under him on the pitch in terms of that upward trajectory, which is, you can't argue with that. You can see... Points totals. Yeah, you you can see what Liverpool are, are doing under him. The fact that he matches that with the moves off the pitch, so in terms of bringing in Mona Nimmer, incredible nutritionist, bringing in Andres Kornmeyer from Bayern um, to, to head up the the fitness team, conditioning team, that Liverpool are building like this longevity. He's he's not looking just at what we need to do next season. He's looking at what needs to happen for the season after that, the season after that, the the, the talent group, the linkage with the academy, yeah. the kids coming through. There's all these things which the players you want to recruit, if, if they're saying to you, what about Tottenham? Well, you can say, well, Here's what we're doing. Here's here's how we're looking at things, both on and off the pitch. And here's why you should trust and believe in in our vision. Yeah, I think that's a difficult marriage, and I think it's one that it's interesting that he's completely committed to it. When when you Paul said before that Klopp had the pick of European clubs, but he sort of didn't. He sort of didn't. I think it's always worth remembering that he's made up to be here, and also he's made up to be here in the sense that he wouldn't get to do bits and pieces of this stuff in quite the same way if he was at, for instance, Barcelona, if yeah. he was at, for instance, Real Madrid, <laughs> that you wouldn't get to sort of to have this full, and not in a not in a controlling way, but this sort of full input into what's happening all over the, 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 the bits and pieces of the club. And so I think that that's worth, you know, that's worth bearing in mind that we're as much something that, that he's happy about. And I thought there was a lovely... You know, a lovely reference in uh, Christian Walsh's piece about transfer targets this this season that that Klopp would find it no fun to work with a player he's worked with before, however good that player is, and that's quite a you know, <coughs> the manager wants to enjoy his work, is what I'm saying, and part of enjoying his work is going okay, how can I, which he couldn't do at Dortmund, I can go and get 
buy me in a ridiculously good conditioning coach because we're Liverpool. And we can, if need be, I can convince the right people to pay over the odds to get this fella in. You know, he'll almost certainly have come here to move his life and move his job to get a pay increase. So I can sort that out. I can make that happen. Whereas Dortmund, if that was not least because Bayern Munich themselves would not have wanted the loss of face of losing their fella to Dortmund. Mm. Whereas if it's Liverpool, it's something a little bit different. And Bayern Munich, you, even though Dortmund, where the relative levels of the clubs are right now in this moment, Dortmund are, Munich are able to doff the cap and go Liverpool and other European giants. Yeah. So I think that all this sort of stuff allows the manager to be able to be be the manager he wants to be. And yes, I think that the the idea that he's, you know, he's committed to six years, it tells you that if you do if he does sign you, then he's committed to you in the, the short and medium term. But where that becomes a little bit difficult is footballers, you know, footballers want to win things and they mm. want to also do the right thing for their career, uh, at what at what they perceive to be the right thing for their career. And it's interesting the Coutinho comparison in that Coutinho, you know, has said the, you know, if, if, that Klopp said to him, if you if you stay here, if you go to Barcelona, you'll be another player. If you stay here, they'll build a statue of you. And I think that you've got to therefore temperamentally find the players who'll respond to this situation like Coutinho, rather than just sort of be thinking to yourself, oh, we've got to get we've got to get whatever yeah, we can. Yeah. And that's why I think what that needs is sort of patience all around, patience from those who are running the club with reference to Klopp, patience from Klopp with reference to the players and the people that he's working with, that they're not all going to get it quickly, and then patience from the supporters towards the club in terms of, well, we're, we're all moving together. And But the, that journey needs to be signposted. So this season it's been signposted. So even though, rightly, you can have a conversation around, well, you knew about Mane and you took this risk. And there could have been someone bought last season, last summer, who was being bedded in to be ready to replace him. Or you could have had someone in on the 1st of January and took and, and just gone with that. But they've signposted that journey and they're able to say, no, no, no. And I, I think in general in life, I was about to say we got it right. In general in life, I think what's, what people in struggle with is is that there's all there's not all in, to most questions that are of significance there isn't actually one right answer there isn't yeah. this is the right answer mm-hmm. there are there's sometimes wrong answers but there isn't this is the definite right answer but they've done it so they've signposted this and they've signposted this fourth place we've finished top four and what's important for them next season Paul mentions a trophy I think it's really it'd be, it'd be great to get some silverware in but what's actually really important next season is again is confirming that position in the top four. Absolutely, yeah. And signposting that journey again, that mm. we've not just done it once, we've done it twice. Uh, and if that comes at 68 points, but there's a trophy, then fine. If that comes at 86 points and there's been a title challenge, well, fine. Uh, yeah. But I think signposting one way or another that we're here, we're staying here, we're not going anywhere. Absolutely, yeah. Becomes important. And so I think all of that, that gets answered. And I think that's why he was so unbelievably exuberant when 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 Alden scores against Middlesbrough because he knows it's done then and he knows that all of this he's he's able to make it make sense internally in the club externally outside the club everyone goes everything's made sense and that yeah. insofar as you can get it right he's got it right enough to be able to go right so we're all we're all in this together you lads all the lads I'm working with we're in this together my coach and staff we're in this together the owners of the football club we're in this together and the 54,000 people and the millions of people we're all in this together now going forward and I think that's going to be his challenge in terms of constantly keeping that that, that togetherness I think he can do it but I think what knocks that and I've seen it happen to every Liverpool manager what knocks that is what happens when you have a January like that one but you haven't already got the points on the board to be able to survive get out the other side and still hit your goals for the rest of the campaign are we done? Yeah, great. So. Who are we buying? Very hopefully, uh, Navigator. Um, I think all the 
all the talk is that it's been quite positive. Um, I think the the beneficial elements of of this is that you know we, often it means nothing if if players if you've already got a player at the club represented by the same agency, it, it can just be a, a pointless uh, sort of throw in. But having dealt with um, Irina Eleven, the agency, um, they're very much interested in career development so with Sadio Mane for example United tried to get him thrice I think um, prior to Liverpool signing him and they they didn't want him to go to United because they couldn't see a development path really at United they thought if he has a difficult difficult month or two that's him then at the club because they've got the resources to just go and throw money at at another solution yeah yeah um, whereas at at Liverpool, they could see, they could see the trajectory. They could understand why he made sense in a in a you know football philosophy point of view. They'd known Jurgen Klopp personally because Sadio Mane almost signed for Borussia Dortmund before he signed for Southampton. And again, even with Dortmund, they knew Dortmund were yeah. for his development a very good club. With Southampton, exactly the same thing. The way Southampton operates as a football club was something they looked at. They thought, mm, again, here, he, you can see his advancement. Um, and I think that's very helpful because when you're competing with with Europe's elite for a player and, and you've got people looking and saying, mm, if he goes there, they're probably going to give him more money, it's more prestige he's probably not going to play. It's probably going to stifle him. Mm. Uh, and, and I don't think that happens often enough in football these days uh, that a player's you know, career path is, is looked at for a few years, not just <gasps> he's going to bank big and, and it's going to look great for us that we've uh, put our client there. Also, Mane's debut season at Liverpool, both how he settled on the pitch and off the pitch and how much the club you know, put into making sure he settled well, building a, a bespoke prayer room for him at um, at Melwood, getting him a personal chef, which he, you know, had one at Southampton when he came here. He can't cook, so they, they sorted yeah. all that for him. So when you see that a club cares for for your client, not just in the, the football element, but cares that he's happy, that it's a smooth transition, it makes you think, yeah, I think, I think this is where it should be. Like we've said as well, they want a pedigree defender. They've had discussions with Virgil van Dijk that are, are very positive. There's cautious optimism there because while everything's seemingly going good, and I think Klopp's referenced this as well, there's never ever guarantees with transfers. The smallest, slightest things can can just change and shift um, the conversation. So, if if it's not him, it would be you know they're like uh, Kulabali from Napoli. It would be somebody of that standing, somebody you think you, you can look at their attributes and you understand why they're being targeted. You understand why they'd cost the big money, uh, and you can see that they work within the structure, within the organizational structure. Because I think often enough you can't think just go and buy somebody boss and they'll fix the issue. It, it doesn't actually work like that. There is. You know they, they've got to understand the system. They've got to f- deal, know how to deal with the high pressing approach of Liverpool, all those sort of things. Forwards, especially a wide forward, we've seen him 
target all, over and over again. And so you know that issue is going to be remedied. I think that's where they've got the most options to narrow down or the most room to think, what do we really, really, really want? We know we want somebody that's going to come in and, and be Sadio Mane off the left or, you know, just make or, or be as decisive as Mane was. We, we want somebody who's going to hit the numbers in terms of goals, assists, but also be tireless, um, defensively diligent, all those kind of things. So I think there's where there's a lot of options, I mean, across Europe and, and even South America for those sort of positions. Um, so it's, it's just about prioritizing maybe not who's, who'd be the easiest to get, but who makes the most sense, looking at all the other business they're doing as well. Uh, we know he's not going to sign any goalkeepers that's been made clear for a very very long time which made the Casillas stuff just complete bonkers um what else do we have then uh, presumably a left back yeah fullbacks uh Sessegnon they really really like again something you can see what he's doing you can see he's looking at the next few years and and thinking he can be our Trent Alexander-Arnold for the left but I think they will be looking at more experienced options as well. Just that, f- like centre-backs, full-backs are going to be big, big uh, property this season. It, it's, I think there's going to be quite a scramble for, for both full-backs and centre-backs. So again, it's, it means competing with the likes of City, likes of PSG and all these top clubs for, for these kind of players. So... It's about who you can get over the line, but again, that that works within the squad. Just quick on that, you mentioned there, I, I expect Milner to be featured at left-back next season. I think you do as well. Yeah. So on that, if they sign Sessegnon, do you think there's every chance they sign Sessegnon and effectively he's not consigned, that's the wrong word, but they almost go either give him another season at Fulham on loan or possibly put him into the under-23s and let him let him have a season where he's, he's developing in private before sort of producing him? I think they give him to Fulham on loan only if that's a precondition of the deal. That's something we've seen before with Origi. The only way Liverpool can sign him is if they agree to that. I don't think they put him in the under tree. I think the amount and level of interest in that kid, and if you've watched him, you know why. He's the absolute business. You know why every club in England and clubs in Europe are looking at him and thinking... So there's no way he signs for you if you want to develop him in the under-23s. I also think there's a, a realisation that he's not he can't come in and just start. He, he needs to be, and the people around him need to be aware of, there's a right way to develop. And there's just, you know, um, there's also this thing of people look at his age and he is very young, but... With some players, like Raheem Sterling, as a, as a good example, you just have the tactical intelligence to be able to operate um, in a first-team <coughs> environment for a Premier League club, and I think he definitely has that. What about the other way, Mel? I, I think there's some obvious names. You, you know, you look at Sturridge and Albie Moreno as, as an outgoing. Do you think there's any where we might be surprised in terms of outgoings? No, I don't think there'll be surprises, because he wants to, like we said at the start, he's once said it's very much like building a puzzle. 
So you've got all your pieces, and, and I think it's just... The key thing is the missing pieces. He doesn't want to give away too much of what he's already built, only the ne necessities. The other thing he doesn't like is... stop. If a player... Joe Allen as an example. If a player is off an age where he should be playing regularly and the offer comes for him to go and do that let the he likes to you know facilitate that for the player he doesn't want to hold anyone back um in terms of storage does he go does he stay there is absolutely no certainty with anything around him i think it all comes down to the offers not just from a club perspective but from the player's perspective because Daniel Sturridge is a very, very good footballer. There are, you know, there are the asterisks, the the injury record being yeah. the biggest one, which which is his biggest downfall. But he is an elite finisher. He is very, a player that is very, very diffi difficult to secure somebody of his quality, of his pedigree, of his caliber. And I don't think Daniel Sturridge sees himself at West Ham or yeah. Southampton or... But PSG came in for him in January. They wanted him on loan. And if a club like that comes and looks at him and, and puts in a concrete offer, and I think he looks at it and thinks, you know, if I'm going to get a, a better chance of playing regularly, yeah. perhaps, yeah. But I can also see him staying. I can see him staying if neither him or the club get an offer that they feel is worth either of their times and do this is the sort of thing that might be going until the 31st of august yeah i th I think it's I, I don't think there's anything sorted out yet you know you could storage could think to himself hmm, maybe my body needs something a lot less demanding maybe this is the way to to circumvent all my struggles in in terms of fitness and maybe i should go and play in the mls you know Suits his lifestyle, sort of. Again, I, I don't... I'd be a little bit surprised if he does that. I could understand why. I, I just think he should be... He's a top-level footballer that still should be playing at the top level, whether it's at Liverpool or somewhere else. I think we've seen that with Jermaine Defoe, didn't we? You know, maybe went too soon. Obviously, yeah. Jermaine kept, kept himself fit to sound harsh. You know, had less injury problems than what uh, Daniel Sturridge has had, but... I think it's just a real shame when you see actually just how good he is. The, the thought that he could just go and play in a bit part league, and I don't, I don't mean that with any disrespect to um, no. the MLS really, but it's it's not the Premier League, it's and he could even if it's not the Premier League for Daniel Sturridge, even if he wants to go and play in one of Europe's top leagues, that's not quite Italy, well, for example. Yeah, yeah. it's less than twelve months ago since he scored the opening goal in the European final. Yes. And, and it was a top top goal. And it was well. a top top goal, and it's a goal that suggests that Daniel Sturridge should be doing things in the latter stages of European elite competition because that's yeah. how good he is. It was yeah. a fortnight since he was round in the goalkeeper. Yeah. You know, in, in the Premier League, where he has still got that pace to break a line and make a serious difference in, in two important football matches. So, but, uh, for me, I'm not. I won't. I won't be crying tons of tears if he goes because. I've sort of had the fun out of Daniel Sturridge and it, it saddens me that we can't get him on the pitch as much as we want. But if you told me we're going to get him on the pitch 40 times next season, then I'd absolutely be fighting to keep him. Uh, yes, your, your, your wriggly arm senses would be tingling. Uh, thank you very much to Paul Senior and to Melissa Reddy. Uh, what a thorough show that is. 80 minutes on a Sunday when there's been no games. Good Lord, what are we playing at? 
Sports Social Podcast Network.